Oh man, what a great way to start this off. We're live. We are live. We are live. That's, that's the best way. That's an incredible shirt. Did you have that made? Huh. New. No. Um, I am part of a uh, coaching company. Um, hold on, real quick. Is my camera like completely crooked, Ben? A little bit. A little. It looks bizarre. There you go. Now you're more in the center. You good? Okay. We good. We can see the Carolina um, Panthers over on the uh, on the far right hand side of your side. Perfect. Technically, left hand side of the screen. Perfect. I think we're um, I think we're golden. Look at that. Only less than a minute in, and we're golden. From the core training, we never do that. It usually takes us about thirty <laughs> minutes to get to the meat of our podcast. There we go. The, the thing is, is the people that are watching now they don't even get the pre-show. We need to have That's like right. a pre-show, like live camera, you know, like they do on um, like those news channels. They've got like the hot mic or whatever. We, we should have like a Twitter feed of just that because, like, I mean, that's <laughs> we'll do it live. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. If people could just read the private chat that was set up beforehand, it would be good. Um, <laughs> all right, well, listen, it's been a while. So Ben, you good? How's Atlanta? Hot Atlanta? Oh How man, Hot Atlanta was cold and wet today. Uh. But it's good. Um, yeah, no complaints, good. man. How is how is Richmond, Virginia? Cold and wet, man. But it's good. <laughs> yeah, it was like eighty-eight degrees yesterday. Or, uh, I know. It's like forty degrees today. Brutal. It's good. Thanks, America. Hey, America th- on yeah, the coast. It's Biden's fault. Thanks, Biden. Yeah. <laughs> uh. That uh, all right, we're gonna go off on like crazy conspiracy theories if we keep going down that. Let's talk college football. I want to play this game. Like, we're two minutes in. I like our numbers, like, as soon as we started, our numbers were incredible. Then we actually start talking and then they start falling. And I don't blame anybody. Um, I tune out too, except I'm what I would, I would also tune out. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, our numbers go through the roof when we start talking about old Dominion tight ends, but we're not gonna go there. Got to go on what's hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. On that note, I want to play this game. All right. So I want to do this game. I'm going to give two coaches, and we go back and forth here, two coaches who is the first to leave. Now, again, the qualifier is who leaves first. That doesn't mean who gets fired. That doesn't mean who leaves willingly. It can be anything. So any way that results in them leaving their current program who ends up leaving first? And start this off, Jim Harbaugh or Ryan Day? Which one leaves first? So between the two, I don't see why Ryan Day would leave. Jim Harbaugh almost left twice. Almost, yeah. So I think clearly Jim Harbaugh is the answer here. The man has unfinished business in the NFL. He had a good right. team in the NFL when he was there last. He could clearly coach there again. Michigan has a program not as good as Ohio State, though. They've beaten them two years in a row. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to go Harbaugh. I'm going to go Ryan Day. What? Okay. Well, okay. I, hold on. Here's, here's why. Okay, for one, and I know like all the rumors about Jim Harbaugh that come out like every year. I think that is understandably a result of when they asked him to take a pay decrease. You asked him that he took it personally. So then I was like, you know what, if you're going to treat me like a transaction right back at you, babe. And so he's going to keep floating his name out there and maybe something lands there. But here's the thing about Ryan day. I don't know what Ryan day does. That's good. What's the defining characteristic of his coaching style? Is it, his ability to develop players is it his offensive game planning is it his defensive game planning it seems incredibly vanilla with the exception of his defense is consistently awful and i don't really know what to do with that and i think to michigan now at this point michigan's got them they've got their number and if Hmm. you look at recruiting in the state of ohio and you look at the top 10 players going into next year Michigan's already got four of them locked in four. And this is when we talk about Virginia tech and like the downfall of Virginia tech, it was the start of, Hey, the top 10 players in the state, none of them are going to Virginia tech. They're going other places. 
Ohio State's always going to do well in recruiting, but to see that number coming off of back-to-back Michigan beating them, I think eventually, especially with USC coming into the conference and now Wisconsin has a legit coach, I think Ryan Day is going to get run out of town before Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan. But see, that's I the thing. Is you said Ryan who... Day like willingly saying, "I'm going to go here." Like I don't think he would leave on on his own, you know, desire. Yeah. Uh, record, but I don't think he's going to last if they keep losing to Michigan. I'll I'll give you that as well. Uh, Ohio State's too good of a program to keep someone who loses to Michigan three years in a row. So if he doesn't turn it around this year. He's going to be on a hot seat. Yeah. Uh, like burning up. So he's he's produced really good teams, though. Good teams, good quarterbacks, good offenses holistically. Like some of the best offenses in the nation consistently year after year. Yeah, the defense isn't yeah. great. Maybe get a better coordinator. But, I mean, overall. Well, they just brought in a new coordinator. He's a great one. He's had success everywhere. And there you go. So how State's here? <laughs> well, no, I mean, they brought him in last year, and they still couldn't figure it out. And I think they'll be better. Well, you got to recruit. Right, but I think Ryan Day, he's not in the hot seat, but I think it's starting to warm up. All right, let's do another one that I think is fascinating, Ben. Okay. This is going to blow your mind when I say these two names. Let's do it. Kirk Ferentz or Matt Campbell? Hmm. Okay, let me lay, let me lay out the ground. Okay. Kirk Ferentz, I think, is 95 and lives in a retirement home. That may not be true, uh, but he's old. He's at least like he's got to be close to 70. Ben, you're the research guy. You find out. Yep. I bet I think Kirk Ferentz is like close to 70. Now, Matt Campbell, there's two things with this. One, just two years ago, his name was being floated towards NFL jobs. Brock Purdy leaves, gets drafted. Iowa State football now all of a sudden is terrible. And I think Iowa State is one of the worst. Iowa State is one of the worst programs in the Power Five. And if you look at pre-Matt Campbell and pre-Brock Purdy, they weren't ever really very good. They were more resemblance of what Kansas is right now. Um, And I think they're starting to fall back to that. Now, Matt Campbell is a good coach, but I think the opportunity, as soon as he gets an opportunity to leave Iowa State again, I think he's going to take it. He has seen what his team is without Brock Purdy, and it's not – it ain't Purdy. That was bad. <laughs> was that bad? No, that was good. That was bad. I love the pun. Parent, he's 70. He's 67. 67. Well, so well, he's, he's 70. Close. <laughs> close to 70. He's essentially old. Yes. All right. So at some point – Nick Ferentz Saban's 71. Nick Saban's not going anywhere anytime soon. Is he 71? Yeah, I think he... I think at some point Nick Saban turned like 62 and he's not aged a day in my mind since. Yeah, Nick Saban is 71. His birthday is Halloween. Okay, so he's going to be 72 in the middle of the college football year. Yeah. So that's interesting. We'll get to that one in a little bit because that one's really fascinating. All right, let's pause real quick on this because I want to talk about Iowa football. Okay. Iowa football, their future five to 10 years down the road, Ben, I'm like, I I can't stop thinking about what it's going to look like. Because if you think about what type of football team wins in 2023, it's run pass option, good quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. Good receivers, right? Those are the hallmarks that we're seeing of teams that win in 2023. When I say Iowa. Well, right, and a capable defense. Which when I say have. Iowa football, what do you think? Uh, incompetent offense, <laughs> ball hawks on defense. I mean, and, what? and always they every can't three move years the ball, they have they like an score? insanely good tight end that nobody can stop. <laughs> yeah, it, but they can't get the ball to them enough. Play. You got to be What's able to that? get the ball. You got to be able to get the ball to your star players, and that's right. still a challenge. So. So this is where the question comes in. I think under Kirk Ferentz, he's a really good, smart football coach, which is why they're winning games. Mm-hmm. But we've seen Georgia Tech, which was this triple option offense for years and years and years. Their coach retires. They bring in other coaches. They can't get they can't get that back, right? And so I wonder, is Iowa 
going to be the next Georgia Tech, which was at one point Georgia Tech was like, they weren't like a Georgia is right now or like an Alabama, but they were a respectable football program. And so does Iowa fall into that trap of longstanding head coach like Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech wins one certain way. And then once that coach leaves, they can never figure that out because it's not it does not fit into what works in 2023. And I love Kirk Ferentz and Iowa, I think, is one of the better programs in the country. So, like, I love watching Iowa football, but sitting there thinking about this, I'm like, man, when he retires, I don't know what the future of that program is. It's not a state with a bunch of like four and five star recruits. That's true. He's he's got to do well with what he's got. And honestly, the way that Iowa's defense has consistently performed, you've got to like tip your hat to that. I don't know why they can't get a good offense together, though. That's kind of sad. Uh, between the two, I agree with you that Matt Campbell's probably going to jump for something better in the near future. Uh, probably before Kirk Ferentz retires. Uh, so I'm going with Matt Campbell is to leave first. Um, but dude, I mean, I guess I've got to think about it as where Iowa sits in the world. Cause the big Ten's about to get a lot harder. And I was like That's a the other mid, thing. mid-tier program. They've been dominating that West Division for the past decade. So now you're going to lose. They're going away from the divisions, right? I think. Yep. Does that start this year? Uh, I think so. I'm not sure on the timelines of everything. So they're going away from the divisions. So now, rather than beating up on Nebraska, which used to be a good program, beating up on Minnesota and Purdue and Northwestern, now you're going to get an Ohio State. You're going to get a Michigan. You're going to get a Penn State. Wisconsin's yeah. got a good coach now. And um, a USC, UCLA. Well, that's the other thing. Now they're coming into the conference. So, like, what happens to a program like Iowa, which has really, really performed well, but they're not in a recruiting hotbed. They don't have the resources that one of those top programs have. You know, do they go from being a consistent nine-win program to now they're consistently a six to seven win program. Like I like, and I love Iowa, but I just, I have my concerns about once Kirk Ferentz leaves, what are they? And here's something wild too. Kirk Ferentz is making $7 million a year. Matt Campbell's making four. He's making seven a year, seven a year at Iowa. So, I mean, like if Iowa can more resources than I thought. Yeah. So I'm saying is like that corn pays for fuel or something. I don't know, but all that ethanol, man, it's all that ethanol money. Let's go to the next two coaches. So (laughs) who leaves first, Hugh freeze or Nick Saban. Ooh, (laughs) I'm going to make Ben feel some pain here over the next five minutes. Uh, so besides the last coach that Auburn hired, the last three coaches, have been in their roles for double-digit years. Uh, Nick Saban is turning 72 this year. I don't think he will be around for another 10 years coaching. I don't think you're going to have an 80-year-old Nick Saban on the sideline. So if Auburn – here's the thing. If Hugh Freeze, who is a good old boy, knows how to work well with the boosters, which I think he will because he knows how how to work things, uh, I'd say probably Nick Saban leaves before. I I'm going to agree doubt, on Saban. Yeah. I highly doubt Hugh Freeze would would do anything detrimental based on what he's done in the past at places like Ole Miss and Liberty. The man built up good programs. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I think Nick Saban leaves first. Now, I'll say this about Hugh Freeze. To your point about the boosters, Hugh has a way of being able to generate pull within the local media and within the admin at the, at the school, right? He is the one coach that I think after two or three years in that program, the boosters aren't even going to be able to get rid of them. It's going to have to be like a new school president or new AD comes in, or maybe they're just winning like four games a year, which I don't think happen with you. (laughs) Well, Well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying he's the one guy. I think he even does a better job of it than, um, Gus Malzahn did. Oh yeah, well, Gus wasn't a very like friendly person. 
No, 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 not at all. So, um, no, I think I think Nick Saban's going to leave first. Now, okay, Hugh Freeze or Jimbo Fisher? Mm. Jimbo, for sure. Jimbo. <laughs> Jimbo, okay. Jimbo maybe has – here's the thing. So, Iowa has that ethanol money. Texas has that pure oil money. And it doesn't matter that Jimbo Fisher has uh, – Whatever his buyout, buyout the is, size yeah. of the GDP, whatever his buyout is, it's a, it's like, a tax error. <laughs> Within Texas, yeah, it, yeah, it's the size of a small country, but yeah. but you can uh, you can definitely see a bunch of Texas A and M oil mongols go and get rid of him next year if he has another another dump of a season. I, what what's his benchmark been? I think they have to win at least nine games. I was saying I think- eight. Yeah, if they don't go eight and four. Okay, but so if they go eight and four, that means they're on the bottom end of the top 25, maybe not ranked. If they are eight and four, do you really think they keep him? Yeah, because the buyout's like, what, 70, 80 million dollars at this point? But that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think it matters. Seriously? He's not hurting anything. He's still bringing in good players. Whoever. Yeah, but, but, but see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about AM going into next year. Uh-huh. Name one other top tier program that is going to be in a position to hire a coach next year. Maybe Alabama, but doubtful. Saban's probably back, right? Maybe Harbaugh leaves Michigan, but again, doubtful. But I can't think of another top tier program that would be in a position to hire a coach, which means that if you're AM and you're going to move on from Jimbo next year or the after this year would be the time to do it because you can get the best candidate in the marketplace. If you wait a year, now you're getting into Oklahoma's got to hire again, potentially. Uh, maybe Texas is trying to hire. Uh, maybe Ohio State's moved on from Ryan Day. Uh, maybe Miami's moved on from Cristobal. Like there could be a number of jobs up after this year, but I think this next coaching carousel is going to be really weak unless somebody just ups and surprises us and goes to the NFL, which I don't, I think the NFL is getting away from college coaches anyways. Um, So like, I think the timing of it actually makes Jim Harbaugh's job this year makes a seat a lot um, hotter than it normally would be. Does that make sense? Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, because again, you fire him at the end of this year, you get the best coach on the marketplace. If you wait next year and two or three other big programs open, you're getting the fourth best coach on the marketplace. No, yeah, you're right. The thing is, is that, I don't know, man, that's just a huge buyout. That's just, that's ridiculous. (laughs) That's the biggest buyout I've ever seen. But you're in the SEC. You've got Texas and Oklahoma about ready to come into your conference. If you don't make the move, that could be the difference from being in the top three in the conference to being like seventh or eighth best team in the conference. Well, this past year, they were the worst. But uh, but I mean, not just as a team. I mean, as a program. Hmm. Like, I think it could set I think it could set the set program, the program back. back. In terms of watchability, in terms of recruiting, uh, and I mean, let's face it, Ben, the way football's college football is moving, you could be the eighth best program in the SEC, but be a top twenty program in the country, and nobody cares that you're a top twenty program in the country. I, I think there is real pressure on Har- or on uh, Fisher this year, not yeah. on Harbaugh and Jimbo. All right, I'm gonna give you another one. Hold on, what before we finish this, Jimbo's recruiting class, where are they at? This year. Um, all right. I've got it pulled up here. Hold on. Team rankings. So for 2024, they're currently ranked 24th. Uh, for 2023, which is over, they finished ranked 15th. So he's still bringing in top 25 recruiting classes after winning three games. But, like, okay, but what how is that going to be detrimental to like, your program? If you're an A&M fan... Are A&M's you closer, like tier four. I don't think any A&M fan <laughs> believes that. I don't think any of them believe that. 
Uh, that I, might be reality, but I don't think there's any AM fan or booster or anybody like that that thinks they're a tier four. I didn't know who Texas AM was until I got to college. I didn't even follow them in high there's school. No, I had no man, idea who they were. You're going to get kicked off the podcast. I <laughs> mean, there's going to be like some sports podcast mafia that's going to come out. There was out like three other Texas teams that I knew about before Texas A&M who I thought had better programs than Texas before A&M. Before Ben just completely insults another <laughs> BS. Ben's an Auburn fan. He What he's trying to do is passively go after one of his rival teams. Like, let's cut the bull crap, Ben. Okay. You had the University of Texas. You had Texas Tech. You had TCU. There is no way. TCU's had better opportunities and better records. There is no way you grew up knowing who Texas Tech was, which is in the middle of absolutely nowhere, knowing who TCU was, which was in Conference USA when we were teens, and not knowing who Texas A&M was. There is no way. I refuse to believe this. The garbage school, tier four. Yeah, that's what this was. All right, so we can't. I'm quickly reminded, you know, we haven't done a podcast in over a month, and I'm quickly reminded why we can't have a real discussion about other SEC teams with Ben because it just goes completely off the rails. Okay. All right. Now we're going to go off the rails, but in my direction. Let's do it. Hugh Freeze or Jamie Chadwell? Ooh. Boom. All right. You're thinking. I'm going to go. Go. Because I've thought about this all day. Please. Okay. I think Jamie Chadwell will be the first to leave. And I don't think it's because he's going to get a better opportunity. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. No. And, and again, I think Jamie Chadwell, I like Jamie Chadwell. I think he will work. I think he will win at Liberty. But I have a lot of, to be successful. I have a lot of reservations. Okay. And it comes down to. The his quarterback doesn't have a mullet? Well, there is that. Um, no, actually. <laughs> And by the way, any Liberty fan watching this, Trey Lowe is going to win the quarterback competition. I don't want to hear about anybody else. Trey Lowe is going to be your starting quarterback week one. Not Jonathan Bidden, not Caden Salter. Trey Lowe, he transferred out of Southern Miss. He was Southern Miss's starter last year. He's a perfect fit for that offense. He is your starting quarterback. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Okay, now that said, Chadwell's offensive system, which is really closer to a triple option. He's just way more willing to pass out of it than Paul Johnson was. I don't, we, we saw once the game kind of started turning that type of offense just was not sustainable on a consistent basis. It does not generate really unique quarterback play. Like I think he'll win, but I think the days of having a Malik Willis at quarterback type of thing, that's over the days of having like top recruits go, go into the draft. I think that's over. And I know about Grayson McCall and all that stuff coming out of coastal, but I just don't think with the way the landscape is moving them going into conference USA, all of those different things. I just don't think you're going to see that type of quarterback play. And so I question whether that offense is sustainable going forward. Now I think he will have success. I do, but I Ben, and I'm so reluctant to say this when it comes to Hugh, I, I hate it. it. It's working and it's going to work really, really well. He's recruiting the exact right players. He has already generated a ton of momentum within that program. Um, and I think he's completely turned around the locker room and we're just into spring ball. We're not even into training camp yet. And you already feel there is a there is a buzz around that program that was not there just a few months ago. So fast forward three years from now, I think Auburn's going to be operating at a really, really high peak level. Um, and I think Liberty will be successful. I think Chadwell will be successful, but I don't believe I don't believe it as firmly as I do what Hugh Freeze is doing at Auburn. Yeah, I can see that in the comparison. But right now, Jamie Chadwell one has a stacked team, and I love uh, Jamie Chadwell, and I love yeah. Liberty. So, like, this is not a slight on him. I just think this speaks more about Hugh Freeze right now. And when you're talking about quarterback play. 
I'm pretty sure Liberty beat Arkansas in Walmart Stadium with like a third string quarterback. So you don't have they to have Malik Willis to be successful on the mountain. You just have to have a good game plan. And Chadwell, well, then Chadwell they, took uh, took the Chanticleers or whatever they are. Ch- sea chickens? What are those things? The, the Chanticleers. Yeah. Took them to... Uh, on Come on now. So, Jamie <laughs> <laughs> Chadwell's old team had two years in a row where they were in the top 25. So, like... He's he's a good coach. Built very good programs. Coach. Don't doubt it. Here's the thing: seven and five and eight and four. If you are that every single year with what we saw this past year from Liberty, and you don't have players that are generating buzz like a Malik Willis did. I mean, Malik Willis, whether or not Liberty won, you you're you were going to be entertained, right? Like that's, that's just true. that's what he was. And so that's my bigger question: is is like. If you're eight and four, but you've got some really ugly losses and you're just kind of grinding out some CUSA wins and you can't ever win the conference, if that is what it becomes on a consistent basis, five, six years in, they're going to move on. Um, whereas I think Hugh Freeze, I think he's going to win at a very high level at Auburn to a point where they're not going to, they're not going to fire him. Um mm. <laughs> I wouldn't put it by Auburn to do something stupid, but All right. well, I, I, see, what, I see your point. All right. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Brent Venables or Mario Cristobal? Ooh. Ooh, gosh. This one's hard. Uh, dude, Venables looks real bad right now. Mario yeah. Cristobal at least has like ties to the school and has good recruiting. I see nothing good coming from Venables at the moment. Uh, I have to go, like, defensive coach shouldn't have been hired at Oklahoma and probably isn't going to stay there long. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one as well. <laughs> um, I will say I think we saw Oklahoma pick up some momentum towards the end of the year. Um, I think they knocked off Kansas State. They, they had some good wins down the stretch, but the way they started, what did they lose to Texas by? Was it like 48 to nothing? It was something ridiculous. Yeah, like that. It was pathetic. And it was yeah. it was the I most mean, embarrassing loss that they've had to an arch rival. Yeah. And it's not I mean, even Lincoln Riley lost some games to Texas and lost some games to TCU and things like that. Um but it not TCU, blown but out. Right. That yeah. that's where it's like, like that's unacceptable. Um and yeah, I, I again this is the difference between an offensive minded head coach in a defensive-minded head coach, they both might be terrible, but if you're asking me which one lasts longer, it's going to be the offensive-minded head coach. It's yep. just what it is. Um, just in this, in the era of college football that we're in, that's what I think you have to do. So, no, I, I think I'd put my money on crystal ball, but I will tell you this, I'm not feeling – I, I don't see Miami right now having a lot of success under him. They're recruiting for 2024 is currently ranked 13th in the ACC. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you why that's a big deal because Cristobal came in and the hype around Cristobal has always been, he's an amazing recruiter. Yeah. Right. Like, he's not a great game planner, offensive or defensively. He's not a team builder. He doesn't develop players. He's just a really good recruiter. Now, I think, and I've said this for a while, the biggest red flag on any of these coaches is when the only identifying trait they have as a coach is their ability to recruit. That I do not think lasts, especially when you're a big-time program. If you are like a Duke, that's helpful. Right, because Duke can't bring in four and five star recruits; they just yep. can't. But Miami, Texas A and M, Oklahoma—I don't care how good you recruit. This not for a head coach. The, you yeah, need a good school. good position coaches at that point. Who can well, recruit. again, there are kids that grow up, and no matter who the coaching staff is, no matter how good the team is, they're growing up saying, "I'm going to play for Miami." It, it, that is a built-in advantage Miami has that 
12 of the other ACC teams do not have. Hmm. Like kids are just not growing up thinking I'm going to play for Duke or I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go play for UVA or I'm going to go play for Georgia Tech. Like that's just not the way it, their opponents are. Right. And so that is a huge built-in advantage. So I don't yep. care how good I coach and recruit, right. What else can you do as a coach? What else are you giving me? And I don't know what he does. Um, and you, you brought up the, the 2024 recruiting class and maybe, maybe Chris Ball is just sitting on his hands for a minute or something, or maybe he's working with all of the talent that he brought in this year because they did finish seventh nationally for a team that did not perform well in 2022 for the 2023 class. Seventh in recruiting. Yeah. 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 Well, and I mean the 2024 class, it's very early with that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, and you have to take a lot of that right now with a grain of salt, but you know, I do think it's interesting. Like if your identifying trait is you're a great recruiter and we're Miami though, there's no exceptions. I like, it should be a top 10 class every single year, especially if that's my result. Like if that's your identifying trait, I guess that's, so. what, that's what I should expect at Miami. Not, not the same if we're at like Maryland or Boston college. Yeah. Right? Very but true. At Miami. Yeah. That's your identifying trait. Okay, let's do another one. Um, Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly? Who? Uh, I'm going to say Lincoln Riley. Really? Yeah. I think Lincoln Riley at some point goes to the NFL. I, I don't know when. Yeah, but at some point. Chip Kelly... I don't think he's ever le- – the only way I see Chip Kelly leaving UCLA is if at some point he were to reunite with Oregon, and that's not ever happening <laughs> until Oregon is in the Big Ten or SEC. It just there would be – like UCLA going to Big Ten was yeah. the biggest the biggest thing they could have done to keep Chip Kelly around. And so I don't foresee him leaving to go to Oregon if they're just going to stay in the Pac-12. I just don't see it happening. And I don't think he would go to – he's got no desire to coach in the SEC. He could have had any SEC team when he went back into coaching. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, he could have had a lot of them. So, but I doesn't don't he want to win a title? Chip Kelly? Yeah. I don't know. Because he, I don't think I mean, he's ever going to win a title at UCLA. Not in the Big I, Ten. I mean, you and I know that. Yeah. It, but – if he's going into work every day, if you're a super competitive person and you believe in yourself and believe in your system, believe in your school, I don't think you think that. I think you look around like, why can't you still win a title? Now, again, and by the way, we just saw TCU make the national championship. Now, granted, they lost by blown out. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. But I'm just saying, like, I think Chip Kelly believes his team, whether this is founded on good logic or not, I think he believes they can win. So I, I think Lincoln Riley would be the first to leave. Okay. Uh, I'm going to stick that Chip Kelly leaves, and it's because he's hunting after a title for a team that has a coach that Where vacates. Would he I mean, you said Oregon's a potential. I think he still has ties there. Honestly, if Oregon stays in the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 competition becomes easier, it does not take long for him to... Right now, Oregon's team has some of the most talent in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 becomes an easier conference, and he can easily go without having to play Ohio State, Michigan, and whomever else, Penn State, uh, maybe sometimes Minnesota, teams that will beat up on you. If he can get away from that, then, you know, as he has an opportunity. Into, as we go into NIL more and yeah. more, and eventually we probably are going to get into schools just directly paying players, like whether we like this or not, what it it's, is. it's coming. As we get into that, I think Oregon becomes fascinating. Yeah, because Nike they got, money. Well, that's, that's right. It's Nike money. So would they not instantly be elevated to, title contender every year because they can just flat out outpay everybody like Mm -hmm. nike could literally if that comes to fruition nike could overnight go from like this tier two tier three program 
to one of the five best programs in the country. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like today, even in the NIL system, Nike can fund the ability to make campaigns for players to promote shoes. The ties to Eugene, Oregon are right down the road. They're like 45 minutes away. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's do one more. Deion Sanders Mm. or Lincoln Riley. Deion Sanders. 100%. That man will be there maybe two years. Really? Yeah, he's going for the big leagues. Colorado? What? No. He's going to be there for two years. He's going to have the program. Do enough for Colorado to get to the big leagues? When you say big leagues, do you mean like premier college football job or do you mean NFL job? I mean premier college football job. So you don't think he wants to go back to the NFL? I think a premier college football job will get him to the NFL. I don't think Colorado will. I don't but the, know. Who, who was the last coach at Colorado that had like a seven-win team and then jumped somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's the path at Colorado. It's like you take the the garbage buffaloes, you make them halfway decent, then you go somewhere else. It's it's a shame because Colorado used to be a premier college football program. Yeah, well, not anymore. <laughs> um, no, I'm. I don't know that he's two years and out, Ben. I don't think so. There were okay. He was on the list for Auburn, and Auburn's a much better program than Colorado. What? So, and and that was coming out of. He was on Auburn's radar, legitimately. Uh-huh. Because okay. like well, I, well, yeah. I mean, there were Liberty message boards talking about Liberty bringing in Deion Sanders. <laughs> he ain't coming I, to Liberty. I think Hugh Freeze was number one at the beginning. As soon as as soon as he visits Thomas Road Baptist Church, that, that'll be that'll be it for him. Um, <laughs> so, no, I I think if he were to go in two years, I think it's because he would have an opportunity to coach Shadir Sanders in the NFL the sun um and if an nfl team was like hey let's take the double package let's get shadir let's get Dion, <laughs> like let's just go for it i could yep. see him leaving but no i think he's going to be at colorado for a while and i mean again colorado seven to eight wins a year that's going to be really really good if he can get to that but it's interesting ben he's generating a lot of buzz at colorado in the recruiting trail Yep, right, he is. I don't know though that that works at like a USC or that it would work at like a Texas or I mean, maybe a Florida state or something like that. No, it's worked at but, Alabama. Well, but here's the thing you go to Dion because it's like, oh, this is different, this is special. But Texas is already special. What do they need Dion for? Texas mm-hmm. is already a brand, you're getting Dion for the brand, you don't need. Dion to help with Texas's brand. Colorado needs Dion's brand to be able to recruit at the clip they're recruiting. Yeah, but imagine having not only the brand of a school, but also the brand of an incredible coach and pairing those together. You have Alabama, who's won like half a dozen national championships in the past decade. All right. That, that was what Alabama was garbage, but they had a good program at least history and record, they brought in Nick Saban and they become became a dynasty. That's that's the power of bringing Dion into somewhere else that's actually good. Didn't Alabama have some championships before Nick? A lot of them. They yeah, had didn't the, have this the guy, Bear. Bear, Bear Bryant. Yeah, Bear didn't Bryant. he coach there? Bear Bryant was the one that yeah. built the legacy. No, I don't that think gave... it was just a good program. I, th- I think they had some success before Nick. Oh, they were trash before. Auburn beat them six oh, years God. in a row. Well, okay, yeah, they coach before Nick, but I'm saying as a program, Alabama's a no, good they're program. garbage program. program. Oh. See, again, we cannot <laughs> have a reasonable discussion, even about Alabama. I mean, it's like the most storied program in college football, and Ben's like, oh, it's a trash program. This is the was, problem with SEC fans in general. Y- y'all have zero bad. reason for bias. It was like Georgia before Kirby. Just no, mediocre. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. Next question. And this is we're at, we're done with the coach thing. But I want to ask this. 
I, there's two programs that used to be at the top of college football. They played at FedEx Field in Maryland, and ever since they played that game, these two programs have completely fallen apart, and they are a shell of them, their former selves. Boise State and Virginia Tech. Mm. Which one gets back into the spotlight first? Boise State. Or hold on, let's let me revamp. <laughs> let me revise this. Which one stands a better chance of getting back into the spotlight this year? I don't know what's going on with either of them right now, but Virginia Tech looked like hot My garbage. Great. So uh, I'm saying I'm saying Boise State. <laughs> <laughs> Boise State, Bluefield. Let's go, potatoes. Yeah, it, it is. It is a little, little sad because, like, I think both of these programs. Virginia they were Tech. Just, they they just need to get program. Baby Beamer. Baby Beamer. Get him. If you were Baby Beamer, would you leave South? I feel like we have this conversation every podcast. Would you leave South Carolina to go to Virginia Tech? If I would the for ten million a same, year. I'm saying if the money is exactly the same. No. Okay. But they'll build a statue of him the first time he has success. They'll put one of his dad and one of him, and his dad will have his his hand on him, and they'll be pointing to the sky, and it'll be like will <laughs> be like a light shining down on him. <laughs> it'll be like at Liberty, where I think they've got like something with Jerry Senior and like the Eternal Flame or something. Yeah, like that. I've yeah. seen the Eternal Flame. Oh, you've seen the Eternal Flame? Yeah, it's wild. It's a little creepy, isn't it? <laughs> Well, bizarre the eternal oh, flame. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some um, things here recently have made it even a little bit more. Rumor has that there's a group of monks that go up there every Saturday night and get drunk. Um, <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> we save these things for 42 minutes in the podcast. That's right. This is for the for the real listeners. Okay. This is like DLC. Wanna, You've been here long I, enough. It's like what? DLC, downloadable content. Oh, okay. I, I listen. I'm not up to the to what the kids are doing these days. No, no, it's um, it's a game term, but I don't think it's actually downloadable. I'll, I'll look up exactly what it means. Ben is using a Gen X term and doesn't know what it means. Oh, it is, is downloadable it? content. I was right. There we go. I'm glad we got that settled. Okay. Boom. Look at that. Michigan. The Wolverines landed Jaden Davis this past week. He commits. Uh, it's a big deal because he is a five-star quarterback in the 2024 class. So they've got their quarterback going into that year. Um, but here's the thing. They didn't sign one five-star player for their 2023 class. Now they've signed two for 2024. Part of that is because the 2023 class was being recruited in 2020 when Michigan was awful. So the 2024 class is based off of what they were doing in 2021. At least that's kind of like the theory. Here's my thought on this, Ben. Like they're going to bring in Jaden Davis. Like I think that's great. Jaden Davis is this kid out of Charlotte. He is a freaking insane quarterback. I watched some. I watched some tape on him this afternoon. He looks like Bryce Young 2.0. Maybe mm. throws a slightly better ball, but not quite as accurate. But right. I mean, the kid's got a cannon just a absolute cannon cannon um, and legs and he's got the legs everything yeah. well the thing is is he has the legs but he doesn't have a ton of rushing yards i freaking love that because it tells me you use the legs appropriately your game isn't dependent on your ability to run away like i love that so Jaden davis goes he's going to go to michigan my question ben is and i was thinking about this after he signed like how big, how impactful is recruiting now in college football? Like, I think it used to be everything in college yep. football. Like, you were only as good as your recruiting. Now I'm like, well, you've got the transfer portal, right? There's, I think there were 3,000 plus kids that went into the portal this year. And some of these kids, they're going to programs like Jaden Davis is going to Michigan. He might go there thinking, I'm going to transfer in two years to a different program. That might be his thought going in. We saw this with Quinn Ewers at Ohio State. He goes to Ohio State. Texas comes along. He's like, well, I'm going to have to fight for a starting spot here. I don't at Texas. Goes to Texas. Well, Texas at um, the time didn't have the coaching staff to be able to make him into a good franchise quarterback. 
So well, no, he transferred to Texas from Ohio State. Well, I know Texas when when he went to Ohio State, the reason he signed with Ohio State was because of the coaching staff okay. that was at you. Ohio State. But once Texas brought in Sarkeesian, then he was like, "Oh, they actually care about quarterbacks again," and he went back to Texas. I don't think it was just the fact that he knew that he was going to have more competition. But I just wonder, is recruiting like a little overrated now compared to what it used to be? Uh, you know, it feels less important to me. Like it, it's still important. You got to bring in the top players, but it just feels like it's not as big of a deal. Is it less important? Well, absolutely. Because you make a decision to go somewhere, you prove yourself on the field, and then you have the opportunity to go elsewhere. So does it matter as much as it did a few years ago? No. Transfer portal has changed the game. But is it still meaningful? Well, absolutely. If you want to build a legacy, if you want to become a starter, if you want to have a quick impact, recruiting actually matters. You need to go to a place where you can get on the field right away. You need to go to a place where they actually see your value and that you can have a, have an opportunity to make a difference. So recruiting still matters. Does it matter as much? No, it, it can't. It's not possible for it to because there are going to be other players that can easily come in and fill spots. Yeah. Uh, but for these, for these college quarterbacks, especially the ones who want to build a brand and build a legacy, Going to a school and locking in and becoming that, you know, whatever the college version of a franchise tag quarterback or wide receiver or running back or cornerback or whatever, linebacker, doesn't matter. If you get into a program that has some backing behind it uh, from your freshman level, become a player right away on the field and build that brand around yourself, you can make a ton of money at whatever school you go to based on where you get recruited because NIL is also a part of this. So, well, I mean, that's the other thing. Plus NIL if, is a big deal. If you're the backup at say Auburn, mm-hmm. but then Miami gets like a new coaching staff and is like, you can be the backup quarterback at Auburn, not get anything or come be the starting quarterback at Miami, bigger program, make more money. Like, like to me, I just feel like, like I look at that, look at what USC is doing. It feels like to me, it doesn't like it almost doesn't matter. Like if you know how to work the portal and get your guys, then who cares how bad the programs recruited the past few years? I'd agree to an extent, uh, but you've still got to be able to build a program and you've got to be able to build a culture and you can't build a culture by just picking cherry picking people around the nation. But how important is culture when, again, Sonny Dykes, we, we, so the playoff last year nearly had two teams with first-year coaches. Sonny Dykes takes TCU there. Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley nearly got USC there. Like, I'm a big culture person. But I just wonder, like, I mean, Georgia's culture. It seems to just be like, whatever we got to do to win. Like, <laughs> like it seems this it seem that way, doesn't it, it could possibly be. Especially yep. looking at all the off-season nonsense they're getting into, yeah. But they just crushed TCU. Um, <laughs> all right, so I had another thought. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk about one more thing. Two more things. Dylan Ray Rayola, Rayola. I'm butchering this kid's name. He is the top recruit going into next year's class, and he's a quarterback. He was committed to Ohio State. This is another reason I have big reservations about Ryan Day. He was committed to Ohio State. He then decommits from Ohio State. Now, usually when a player decommits, the program keeps their offer out to that recruit, right? Just And sometimes the recruit comes back and says, yeah, I'm going to stay at Ohio State or whatever. That's yep. usually what they do. So two weeks ago, after this player decommits, Ohio State rescinds their scholarship. Now, again, you can rescind a scholarship. That's fine. But you can't rescind a scholarship from the number one player in the country because what argument do you have that you don't need the number one player in the country who's a quarterback? I'm, Maybe he's like, not a good fit. Yes, he is. He's the number one player in the country. Go, You go watch his tape. And listen, 
you tell me he's not a good fit, I'll trade all the players he's not a good fit with. Or I'll, like <laughs> cut all of them. The, the kid's that good. Like literally, I would I would cut every single player of the New York Jets tomorrow to bring him onto that roster. Like, I, I mean, he's he is fascinating. So they rescind their scholarship from him, and then we have this past week. Jaden Davis goes to Michigan. So it's like Michigan's got their guy. Ohio State had their guy. Their guy decommits, and now they've rescinded their scholarship, which it feels like the only reason they would have done that is just, I don't know, spiteful. It, like it, it just seems weird to do that to the – again, we're talking about like a four-star recruit maybe. It's like the 80th player in the country. That's one thing. You literally cannot find a better recruit going into next year. Why would you just rescind your scholarship phone? That doesn't make any sense to me. So I've got, I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at how that's playing out. That gives me big reservations about Ryan Day. The other thing is if you look at his recruiting, and I like to pay attention to 247 Sports, he is a 44% chance to sign with Georgia. Let's pray that doesn't happen or else they're going to win three more championships. But he, there's a 33% chance he'll sign with Nebraska. And that, Ben, would be fascinating. That would be. Because, I mean, the rumor in college football is Nebraska can't recruit like they used to. At least that's what my good friend Colin Cowherd likes to say, is Uh that Nebraska is not the program it used to be. But if they go get the number one recruit in next year's class, I bet you there are a number of players, four- and five-star receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen that Matt rule is going to go to and be like, you want to come play with the number one recruit in the class? This is your chance. And they've got openings everywhere to bring those guys in. I think he brings in transfers. I think he brings in recruits. If they land him, that could catapult Nebraska to being a contender in the big 10 because of the compound effect. It would have bringing in other players in future recruiting classes. Whereas if they don't get them, Nebraska right now has two three-star recruits that they've signed for that class, and that's it. Like, it feels like their class for 2024 in the future three to four years of that program hinges on whether or not this one quarterback signs. Roll out the NIL money. Which Which brings back the previous question. How impactful is recruiting? There you go. There's a lot of things I feel like it's <laughs> not what it used to be. Yep. But then I look at that and I just like, think of the outcome. Mm-hmm. If he signs there, it changes everything. And well, that's what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of players that can come in and build, build that like franchise tag quarterback type deal in college now. Right. And that's the type of player to do it. And a place like Nebraska would be a really easy place to do it too. Cause you don't have a lot of competition. You immediately start. You immediately start. You immediately start adding value. Yeah, you, you may not have great coaching, but maybe uh, I'm not really sure what Matt Rule is. Um, yeah, he's passing. He won at Temple. He won at Baylor. One big at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Goes to Carolina very quickly after Baylor, almost yeah. suspiciously quick. Like none of those players he was winning with were his recruits. Goes to Carolina, stunk in the NFL. Now he's back in the now he's back in college and at Nebraska. I have no idea if Matt rule is a good coach, like I, I don't know. I, yep. I don't He's never been there anywhere long enough to be able to tell. And he doesn't have a great program coming into. So no, not at all. But here's the thing. If he wins six games next year, then he's a God versus the guy that they had. So Scott Frost. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, so I mean, we'll see. I've never seen a team almost win so many games and come out on the wrong side. <laughs> it, it's it's like crazy. me and NCAA 14, man. What's that? It's like me and NCAA 14. How's it like you? You win all your games, except when you play me. That's the thing. I just have all those all those ridiculous things come so close yet so far. Yeah. Um, Probably Scott Frost. Like to talk about. And that's completely slipped my mind. What are we doing with Clemson this year, Ben? This DJ like or whatever is gone. Well, so not not necessarily. Dabo's got a really good quarterback coming back. When Dabo has a good quarterback, 
he does good things. We both said that DJ didn't really look to fit the part. For whatever reason, Dabo was all behind him for so long, way too long. That was the that was the bad choice on Dabo. Do you think part. Dabo was behind him, or do you think that was Brandon Streeter? Mm, I don't know, man. Dabo kept saying well, that he was great. So I have a big I have a big problem with him firing Streeter after one year. And I get I get the frustrations with Streeter, mm -hmm. but a lot of that I think was on DJ Yui Yungale. Yeah. We gotta we gotta keep pronouncing that name, unfortunately. Um where'd he land? He not go to like Syracuse or something. No, we don't have to talk about him anymore. Yeah. Uh, no one talks about Syracuse. Yeah. Um so Dabo fires Streeter after one year. Dabo's the same coach, though, that I think it was five or six years into Clemson. He had just got crushed by South Carolina, and there were people clamoring for Clemson to fire Dabo. And the AD sits him down and says, one more year. Like, that's part of his story. And I forget at what timeline that happened with him at Clemson. But point is, is they were – right there knocking on the door of success. You just couldn't see it. And the AD, I think, was like, let's give this one more chance. And thank God he did because they won some championships from it, right? Mm -hmm. And so for that, for Dabo to have been given that opportunity and then to bring in an offensive coordinator who's young and only give him one year with a pretty mediocre quarterback and then you fire him, that well, whole see, thing just doesn't sit well. But that's what I'm saying is Dabo consistently told us in press conference after press conference that DJ Uangolai had more raw talent than any quarterback he had ever had. And that was saying more than Goldilocks of Jacksonville. That was more than Deshaun Watson. That was more than any other quarterback he had had. And he had a few good ones. So to be saying that DJ Uyunglele was, you know, the prodigy and then have him look like garbage, that's probably part of why he let this dude go right away. So here's the thing. I looked it up. Uyunglele went to Oregon State, so we may still have to talk about him. Okay. Not as bad as Syracuse. Uh, the, the kid who's playing now, Cade Kubelinik? Yeah. Good, good quarterback. Yeah, so, I think he played that second half against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, He's going to win some games for the Clemson Tigers. Can Clemson get a quarterback where we can pronounce the name? Like Trevor Lawrence. I would Lawrence, love it. Trevor Lawrence, perfect. Uh, I, I need that. <laughs> With DJ Uwe Gengale and what, it, what was it, like Klubinik? Sounds like he yes. just threw up. Well, dude, right after Klubinik, they have Viznia. Oh, my V-I-Z-Z-I-N-A. Christopher I'm going to go out and let uh, – look, you can't have a quarterback where you can't pronounce the name and it worked. Name one quarterback where that has worked. There's Joe Flacco. That worked. <laughs> There's Deshaun Watson. That works. There's Tom Brady. Cam that works. Aaron Rodgers. Peyton Manning. You, If you can't pronounce the name of your quarterback, he has a 0% chance of succeeding. There you go. Okay. Get a good name, right. boys, or make one up. I'm sure there's some leftist nut job that's going to take that completely out of context. And, uh, <laughs> look, please do. We need all of the attention we can get. So if somebody wants to make us Twitter famous by that, like that's fine. No press is bad press. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, what is it? Michael Scott says like, no, Pam, we're just going to let the press call them or let the press call a press conference, something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't watch the office. I know it's a shame. Is you like, you don't get half of my random quotes that I throw in there. It's terrible. And even when you, even when I throw stuff in there that I know you know, you don't get them. Hold up. Wait a minute. Yeah. 
that that, that was it. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else? We've got we've got people listening. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I don't know, man. Have I missed anything? I think we went through most of it. We didn't say uh, we didn't cover AI or Elon Musk or any of those. No, what I said was I think Scarlett Johansson is AI. There you go. Scarlett AI. Uh, I think she played a character that was AI. Scarlett Johansson. She did. Scarlett Johansson or Elon <laughs> Musk. Which one goes first? Goes which first. Where first? do they go? Which Where one leaves they, first? Which one leaves first? Yeah. Where's Elon leaving? Twitter? I or don't like... know. Pick one. Twitter, Tesla. Elon gets bored. So we're saying Elon. I love Elon. God bless Elon Musk. I'm a big Elon fan. Uh, new Mario movie. Bowser's where it's at. Dude, the new Mario movie, legit. I was impressed. The the intro got it for me. Uh, the intro, actually, well, that was what Nicole and I thought was like the worst part. What, the little commercial? Oh, no, 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 not, not the oh, commercial. Oh, yeah, yeah, where it's uh, just, the penguin scene or whatever. That was dumb. We'd already seen yeah. the whole thing in the preview. No, 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 the the commercial by the Mario Bros. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where that it's at. Good. Yeah. No, the movie's great. I thought the storyline was a little all over the place. Like, oh, yeah. I think they tried to force in, like, all the characters. And it's like, we already know there's going to be three sequels to this thing. Like, bring in Save characters slowly. Yeah, exactly. Well, they didn't so I, Yoshi. He's on the next one, so. I thought Wario was the next one. Is it Yoshi? Well, Yoshi is going to be the companion of Mario or whatever. The little dinosaur that they have to ride. So I'm sure Wario and Waluigi will come in. Okay. Fascinating stuff. Which <laughs> one is first, Wario or Mario? Oh, Wario. Okay, hold on. No, I just thought of a really good one. <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian or Dan Lanning? Ooh. Where is Dan Lanning? Oregon. Ooh. I'm about to buy a ticket on the next flight to Atlanta and beat Ben with a thesaurus for not knowing where Dan Landing is. Holy crap. Dude. Um, no one cares about Oregon, dude. Probably probably Dan Landing so they can make way for Chip Kelly to come win a national championship. Ben, 20 minutes ago we were talking about how Oregon has all this Nike money and then 20 minutes later you're like no one cares it's anybody who is a threat to Auburn no one cares about Oregon except for Nike who has a ton of money anybody who is a threat to Auburn Ben's immediate response is oh yeah they're trash or nobody cares it's like talking to like my brother I would say when he was 15 but he's still 15 now essentially it's like talking to him about I'm 16 Oh, yeah, right. Gabe and I are um, bros. That's true. That is true. Or Halo okay. bros. I I don't even know. All <laughs> right. This has taken a turn for the worse somehow. So we are going to end it here. Um, please find us on iTunes and Spotify and all of those shenanigans where you download podcasts. And when you do that, do us a big favor. There is a way where you can rate these podcasts. Now, I don't know how to do it because I'm like dumb with a phone. I, I don't know what I'm doing with those. But there's supposed to be a way where you can rate podcasts. And I think five stars is the best. So give us a five-star review. Let us know you like us. Share the podcast with a friend and say, go, go listen to these two morons talk about college football. We would really appreciate that. And hopefully, with my fancy new mic, you realize my voice is sexy like a Greek god. We were talking about that before the podcast. Zeus, so, from the top of Mount Olympus. I sound like Zeus. Five stars for the fourth, fourth string podcast. I'm going to go watch 300 after this. Wait, that's that's not Greece. That's Sparta, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, there's that whole scene where he says, this is Sparta. He's even that's telling correct. me the country, and I'm forgetting. That's all right. It's close enough. They were like next to him or something. Nobody cares about Sparta. Same general area. No one cares about Michigan State. They get not even Mel Tecker. They gave him a ten-year contract. He's like, dude, I'm. Doesn't care about Michigan State. They're paying him ten million a year to suck. 
I know. No one cares. If somebody gave me that amount of money and was like, hey, the expectation is you're going to be good, and I was that bad, I would immediately quit, give them half the salary back because I would have felt like I stole Well, that's because you're a nice person. But, like, that's not realistic. <laughs> like, oh, my word, are they bad. Ever since that contract, they yep. can't recruit. They nope. don't win. I, I don't know what is going He's on. He's got guaranteed this. money. I guess he's, he's like, go ahead, fire me. What do I care? I'll go buy it an island in Tahiti. Uh, for on behalf of the entire college football world, please do so. <laughs> or or start go back to winning, please. Because Michigan State, I love that program. I hate seeing them be that bad. Them not getting to a ball is ridiculous. See, not even a competition of Auburn, and I still think they're pathetic. So it's not that I'm not that biased, just pretty biased. Okay. No, Ben is like tonight. Ben has been way, you've been way worse tonight than usual. So. I'm just going <laughs> to say that I'm out of practice, man. <laughs> the off season bias is way worse than the in season bias. There we go. All right. I'll get back into form. It takes, you know, it takes us like, 10 minutes to close out a podcast. We keep saying we're going to end it. And then we go on about something else. We've been doing this now for 10 minutes. Are You're we Florida. Well, I think so. I think, I think I did bring up Sparta and then you brought up Michigan state. The, the Spartans. All right. We got a flow. Mel Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Tucker or um, shoot Brent Pry. Mel Tucker or Brent Pry. Who leaves first? Ben's like, who's Brent Pry? <laughs> that is correct. Oh my God. That's the Virginia Tech head coach. Dude, Brent Pry's gone. Just got bigger. Fire, fire Brent Pry today. Bring in baby Beamer. You realize that would result in Virginia Tech winning, right? Ooh. Keep Brent Pry forever. <laughs> <laughs> get that right. get the old guy back. That is the fourth string podcast and what a fourth string it was. Thank you, Ben, for joining me. Y'all have a good night.